and welcome back to the virtual music industry sessions presented by Symphonic Distribution. Uh, this is the panel on cracking the code to success in the electronic dance and specialty platforms. I'm your moderator, Peter Wahelski. I'm Symphonic's former electronic genre specialist, now the director of client management here at Symphonic Distribution. A um, little bit about me, I've spent my entire career working specifically in the electronic music space, having spent time at labels such as Astroworks, Carl Craig's Planet E Communications, um, long defunct physical distributor, studio distribution, Beatport, and now here at Symphonic. Uh, wanted to introduce our uh, wonderful panel of, uh, of speakers here today. Um, actually, I'll, I'll let each of you um, uh, introduce yourselves. Um, John? Yeah, my name's John Lloyd. Um, I work for Juno Download. <clears throat> have done for the past eight years now. Um, I'm the marketing and promotions manager. Um, so I deal with uh, selecting releases to, to promote. Uh, I'm also a label manager um, and I have been for about five years now. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I can uh, help you with all uh, your questions regarding uh, Juno Download or, or to increase your sales there or, or any you know, uh, label specific uh, information as well. I can help you with. Cool. Vivian? My name is Vivian Host. I'm a music writer, curator, and radio host. I currently live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, in the past, I was the editor in chief of Accelerator Magazine, as well as Thump, which was Vice's uh, electronic music portal. I've also worked for many people in the electronic music space, um, including Red Bull Music Academy, Resident Advisor, Native Instruments, and the list goes on. So I'm kind of coming from more of an editorial and playlist curating background. Travis. Yeah, um, Travis Kirschbaum, uh, US label manager for Beatport. Uh, I handle, um, Labels based in North and South America, Australia, and Japan. Um, before I was at Beatport, I had done five years of music supervision for Current TV. Um, also had a you know long running stint at uh, Nemesis Music Distribution, Revolution Magazine. Um, I've been at Beatport now eight and a half years, and. I'm here to help ensure um, that your releases are, you know, safely, uh, um, you know, put out in time um, amongst 25, 30,000 other uh, releases weekly. And Rita. My name is Rita Nasser. Uh, I work at Sirius XM. I, I'm a program director and a host for BPM, which is our uh, dance channel. Um, and I curate our playlists, everything that happens on the air. Um, we come up with exclusive content, we work with artists, um, and when the world is open, we travel to festivals, uh, we, we uh, broadcast from festivals, so, um, you know, some of the festivals include Ultra, Music Festival, EDC, Electric Zoo, etc. Yeah. Cool, thank you. So speaking of when the world is open, uh, we're living through a very interesting time, not only in dance music history, but world history with the, the pandemic. And I wanted to get a, a sense of from each of you how the the current state of things uh, has changed the emphasis in in your area of the business. Um, 
why don't we start with uh, with Vivian? Well, I think on the publication side, I mean, the, the viability of dance and electronic music publications has been a topic for a long time. And I think it's been hard for them to sustain um, paying freelancers and just staying open. So um, on that side of things, on the kind of blog publication side of things, um, I've seen a lot more in-house writers writing, which is kind of good news in some ways because it means that you can actually get in touch with the editors and they're probably the ones that need more information to write the piece. Um, but also not great news for the writers that you might be in touch with. I've seen a lot of publications going towards more flashback pieces. So going back and revisiting topics, whether that's, you know, who, um, 90s jungle or, um, you know, the greatest hits of trance from the 90s. There's a lot, of, a lot of 90s nostalgia going on right now and a lot of kind of comfort, <laughs> comfort pieces and a lot of emphasis on diversity as well. I think the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the political things going on in the world have shed light on the fact that dance music press has been very um, whitewashed and I think publications are looking for those stories that might not have been told. Um, on the plus side, on the playlisting side, I mean, I think that things like Apple Music and Spotify and stuff like that are more popular than ever. Everyone's home, everyone needs stuff to listen to. I've seen the launch of a lot of new playlists. I've seen a lot of shuffling going on there um, and trying new things. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's a renewed emphasis too on playlists that are for mood and for working from home, chilling, that kind of stuff, rather than just the traditional thing that we think of, which is like, this is the deep house playlist and this is the minimal techno playlist. It's, there's a lot more playlists being added that are uh, vibe oriented, um, which presents new opportunities for artists. Cool. Rita, um... On the radio side, you know, what sort of music trends are you seeing um, in listeners during the pandemic? Uh, we've noticed a lot of listeners are resorting back to what they used to listen to because the pandemic is really bringing them back to um, like a sad time, I guess. So, you know, if you, if you think about it this way, so if a song came out last week and you really liked it, a year down the line, you listen to the song automatically, subconsciously, you're going to think of the pandemic, you're going to think of like a sad time of a time where, you know, things were very unsure and you just didn't know what was happening. And um, whereas like, if I'm listening to a song from three years ago, I automatically think back to a time where I was happy. I was at a festival, I was enjoying my life. You know, we weren't in a pandemic. So I do feel like a lot of the audience isn't capturing new music the way that they used to, because again, subconsciously, it's just, it's making them kind of sad, which is so weird. And it's, it's tough right now for us because we keep trying to bring new music, you know, towards the audience and like, they're just not, they're just not grasping it the way we expected them to. Meanwhile, in any other time, if we were to bring a specific song to this artist, I mean, to the, to the audience, they would love it. But there's a lot of music that's just not working for us. And we're like, I just don't get why. And we've kind of come to the consensus that that's the, that's the reason. And I mean, I, I've talked to people who aren't even in the music industry, just some friends who are like, yeah, I have been listening to like 2000s playlists lately. And I don't know why I'm like, I know why. And like, it's just kind of something that we figured out in the past few months that I'm like, wow, this is really what's happening. People don't realize it because it's just, again, subconscious, but um, yeah, we've definitely been seeing that trend as far as radio. 
is that something that you you know in your programming you've been bringing back a lot of of you know recurrent titles and yeah for sure for sure we've definitely been putting a lot of familiarity on the air uh so what we do now is we'll we'll surround a brand new song with like two older songs on each side so you know when it's something that just came out a week ago we'll make sure that everything around it is familiar so okay yeah the person's listening and they'll enjoy it and they'll hear this new song okay and then they'll go back to like you know an old Calvin Harris song or something be like oh okay okay and then that'll kind of get them familiarized with a lot of the new stuff that's coming out interesting and then uh, you know on the you know on the flip side of that where uh you know where new music is you know is still you know important um you know John and, and Travis you know with the clubs largely closed and live streams being a, a platform of necessity for DJ performance what trends have you guys seen uh John do you, you want to Jump in on yeah, that well, um, there's certainly a lot more people at home making music at the moment. Um, I've been asked if uh, by by a couple of labels if they think I should they should delay some certain releases, um, especially during the start of you know the pandemic and lockdown because obviously clubs weren't opening and people weren't consuming the music in the same way. Um, but we noticed a bit of an increase, to be honest with you, because the people are you know sitting home making mixes, making making their own their own tunes and things so um i've you know advised to those times yeah go ahead do it people are still buying music even even more so uh than they were in some cases um but it's 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 up and down you know um in some weeks it can be quieter than others and um yeah i think we have to wait to look full to see the full extent to see how you know the whole music industry lies at the end of it but um at the moment people are definitely consuming a lot of music and you know, I'd encourage people to, you know, get, get producing, get, get making as much as you can because people are dying to hear it, basically. Travis, you know, are, are, do you think DJs are taking more chances on, on more adventurous music rather than sort of your bog standard, you know, club bangers or, you know, what, what's, uh, what's your perspective? Uh, well, the banger's going to bang, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like John said, you know, um, I mean, when we had to sort of, kind of reshift some some focus quite quickly and you know we we we're doing the live stream thing already but once the lockdown hit you know there was definitely an increase in programming for the live stream side of things um you know when labels asked me if they should delay their release you know to you know to a later date i've always encouraged them not to i i, I think they should keep going because um, people do want new music and the music consumption is really high right now. Uh, so, you know, and so, and you know, and you're going to keep the, the revenue coming in and the artists getting paid. And, and, you know, I think that with some of the new services that we were able to, you know, get off the ground during this, the height of the pandemic, like Beatport link, um, you know, we saw, uh, really large increase in new customer registrations people that had never used the store ever that have subscribed to link um about 85 percent were, were brand new customers so um i think you know that and uh just bringing awareness to to you know the different options that are that are out there for artists with the live streams you know um it's, yeah it's, it's tricky but but uh, it's, you know, we have seen an increase, actually, surprisingly, like, like John said, which is great. You know, I think people are just trying to 
I think they want to stockpile the music, you know, I mean, no, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody regardless pandemic or not. That's just like, you know, what, I'm going to, I want to stop listening to music for six months or, you know, I mean, it's kind of what keeps us going and happy in a sense. Right. So it's kind of, it's like retail therapy, you know, you just, you kind of, and maybe now more than ever, it's just like, I, you know, I know I'm consuming more music than I ever have. I mean, the other thing that I wanted to mention is just how many different ways there are to receive the music at this point. And I think that's changed all of our industries. Um, Bandcamp has obviously seen a huge explosion with the Bandcamp days. And also, like John said, people are making so much more, mu more music and maybe not all of it um, do they want to do a proper release or they're scrambling to get it out for a band camp day so they can make more money or, you know, obviously there's been problems pressing vinyl as well. So that impacts what people can put out. So I think band camp has been huge. Obviously the Twitch streams have been huge as well in a way for artists to kind of get fans in a different way, whether that's producing on Twitch or doing live streams on Twitch. I've seen the launch of all these or the explosion of all these new platforms, current FM. It's one called Audion, I think it's called, where it's something like Bandcamp where people can upload tracks and people are doing Patreon. Um, I think from a curatorial side, that's been really confusing because there's so many places to find the music now. You're like, are you? is it on their Bandcamp? Is it on their Spotify? Do they only put it on SoundCloud? Do I need, you know, is it a Patreon drop or whatever? But, um, I think artists are trying out a lot of different methods to make money and to get heard. Well, and, and Vivian, I think you, you you bring up a you know a couple of interesting points. Something I was thinking about talking about you know later on in our chat, but since you know you brought it up, let, you know let's let's you know approach it now. I mean, you know, with these emerging platforms um, and and existing music platforms, you know, that have been around for a bit, who have, that have really seen a, a resurgence, you know, um, you know, you've certainly seen um, artists trying to strike a balance between, you know, these artist-friendly platforms, like, like you said, Bandcamp and Patreon, and, you know, the more traditional download and, and streaming platforms and their overall strategy, you know, how do, you know, I'll let everyone sort of touch on that, you know, how do you guys feel that, those things are, you know, factoring into um, you know, people's overall strategies, you know, at the moment, um, and and where things go from here. Uh, Vivian, do you want you know, since you since you brought it up, do you would, do you, would you like to, would you like to just you know sort of carry on and, and elaborate and, and then we'll. Well, move on I think here. it's a confusing time for artists. I think Bandcamp, at least in my world of friends, a lot of people have made pretty good money off Bandcamp and it's a way for them to just go direct with whatever release they have. I think sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the quality can suffer. I mean, people don't always have the greatest graphics or sometimes things can feel a bit rushed on Bandcamp, which they can be. But um, I think what's interesting is gonna be to see how, that, how stuff like that fits into the whole ecosystem because not every, for, from my angle, not every journalist is um, deep on Twitch or Bandcamp or wherever they need to be to be discovering these new artists and these new tracks. So there's still going to be a need to 
have your music on these traditional platforms because people want to put in their Spotify playlist. They want to be able to like, you know, if people are shopping on Beatport and that's their main place where they're finding tracks, if you're only releasing your stuff on this one um, service, and maybe that's part of the exclusivity and the fun of it, but, um, and I think that's true for some people, but I think for most artists, they still want their music to be available to the widest amount of people possible. And sites like Beatport and Juno are also editorial focused, like Juno will have the front page of each section where it's like highlighting releases, you're highlighting charts, et cetera. Um, so I think that is something that artists are trying to manage right now. Some people have enough of a groundswell that they can just like self-release and it's fine, but I think there's still kind of a need to be on you know, Apple, Spotify, whatever the main sites are, because like we're in the industry. So we know all of these things and people who are DJs and artists themselves are checking on Bandcamp. But I think I would still say the large majority of consumers um, are not necessarily deep in those platforms, you know? Yeah, well, and then, <clears throat> yeah, it's like you said, you know, that there isn't really a curation side of Bandcamp. So if you're a new customer and you, maybe you don't have like a wealth of knowledge about whatever type of music that you're looking for, you can get lost pretty easily. You don't really know where to go, you know? Um, but it's an amazing platform and, you know, I mean, there's you know extreme value in it for for the for the um you know for the independent artists the independent label um it'll be curious to see what, kind of where they go next um with that curation side of things but but yeah like you said i think labels really do i think they're you know for, for the most part if they're trying to get their music out there to as many people as possible you kind of need to play the game, right? And you need to be with Apple Music, Spotify, all the, you know, stores. Um, yeah, I don't know, John, what do you think? Yeah, I was, I was gonna say from a label management side of things, I'd uh, say, yeah, you wanna spread your, you know, you want your visibility to be at a maximum. Um, so you wanna gonna be on all these stores, you know, certain people who use certain stores, they'll have their own preferences. Um, but, you know, having, having your music on things like Spotify, as no it's not Spotify sorry SoundCloud and things like that for example I, I'm you know found a lot of my discovery from my label on on SoundCloud um, and I think it's important to to sort of know your um, your audience I suppose um, as to as to where they like to consume their music you know certain people will only buy on Bandcamp for example um, some people you know do their music discovery as I say on SoundCloud so having you know yourself on all those different platforms is is you know imperative or important um but i'd say yeah talk to you talk to your audience find out what you know what the how they, they consume their music how they uh they like to find new music and then maybe you know just, you can tailor a bit more towards that so like okay well these guys in this specific genre or specific style might like you know might all go to this particular platform so you know let's check that out let's see what it's like let's see if we can build something on there um, but yeah, I think, you know, during the lockdown as well, it's, it's a good time to really network, you know, listen to other people's mixes, comment on them, you know, talk to people, try and build, build up a bit of, um, a bit of a community of people. And then, and then, you know, who your audience is, you know, who, who, who's your backing, you know, who, who, um, who, who you're really, you know, trying to impress, I suppose, with what you're making or what you're putting out. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great thing to do right now when 
everyone's kind of locked indoors and you know scratching their heads wondering what to do. Rita, what you what is sort of the relevance of some of the you know, these I guess you know alternative platforms you know on on radio programming? Um, obviously, you know, lots of people are talking about you know TikTok and you know, and and its popularity. Um, you know what? You know, what is TikTok's relevance as far as you guys are concerned? Is in respect to electronic music. Uh, so for electronic music, it's I think it's a bit different. Whereas I feel like pop music, um, it is leaning towards TikTok uh, very often. Uh, but as far as electronic, I've been seeing a lot of like very very old songs blowing up on TikTok recently. So like, well, you know, we'll see that we'll see that trend, and I'm like, you know, like an example, Five Hours Dioro. Uh, is from a few years ago. That was a massive trend on TikTok for a bit. Um, and uh, we, we started playing it a bit more, but we've also learned that our audience is not really on TikTok. So like when we do make like little TikTok references and stuff, a lot of our audience is a little bit older. So they usually don't relate to that as much. So we have like played with it a little bit to try to figure out, okay, like where can this go? Uh, but we have learned that it's it, it's big for it's definitely big for pop. So if, if a dance artist is trying to lean over into the pop world, that's when TikTok becomes really, really helpful. Um, but an example of what happened, so um, this this D, this DJ duo named uh, Disco Lines, they made a uh, like a remix of Love Story by Taylor Swift and it blew up, it was everywhere. And um, I was trying to figure out, I was like, what what can we do with this? Like, should we should we play it? Should we play the bootleg? Should we play the, you know, it was like on YouTube because it, it wasn't an official release. So we were like, should we play it? Should we do something with it? Um, and then I did try to play it, but like our audience really had like no idea like what this was, why it was playing, where it was coming from. Uh, so then we did try to make like an imaging piece out of it to try to play with it to see, you know, some people can listen to it and like understand the reference, but some people would just think it's a regular imaging piece that just says like BPM. Um, so we definitely do like play with it just to try to, to try to figure out like what our audience really wants to hear. But I definitely feel like TikTok, if you are a dance artist who's trying to go into the pop world, that's when TikTok is the most helpful. Like an example would be like um, Topic Breaking Me. Um, you know, that song started in dance, ended up in pop. Um, and a lot of its success um, happened after it blew up on TikTok. And, you know, more, more than just the dance audience became uh, familiar with it. Cool. Yeah, again, um, it, it's a really good time for lots of people to experiment doing a lot, you know, a lot of different things. So um, it's just interesting to, to see how people are, are you know, approaching or reappropriating, you know, these, these platforms for uh, their own use. Mm -hmm. um, so here, you know, so here's the big question of the day. Um, you know, every artist label manager asks, you know, how do I get a feature on this blog or playlist or radio channel or a, a banner on the homepage? Um, what are the ma major marketing drivers that playlist curators, radio programmers, editors, and download retail are looking for when going through pitches? I'll let you guys take a, take a deep breath now. <laughs> uh, Travis, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I, you know, I think the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, one of the most important things uh, that you can give the label team and you know and and ultimately the curation team is lead time um you know if you've got a big record that you know you're you're you know is obviously you know a priority for you um it's probably not 
the best idea to let us know that it came out yesterday. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I can second that. Yeah. Hey, my record, you know, it's my biggest record of the year. Uh, and it's, it just came out, you know, what can you do? It's like, man, that is a great record. Wish we would have known about it sooner because yeah. there could have been some things we could have really done with this. Um, so, you know, lead time, extremely important. You know, three weeks ideally is to, to have it into our, our, you know, our system really, because um, I'm not even going to take it to the curation team until we have it. I, you know, they don't want to hear pre-links for the most part. You know, they're getting, they're, 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 they're too focused on what they're focusing, sorry, what they're featuring three weeks out, really, right? Um, you know, exclusivity, you know, um, it's, a, you know, it's a deciding factor, sure, but it's, it's definitely not the only one. Um, you know, we've got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of labels releasing, you know, exclusively with us every single week. And the truth is we can't feature every single one, right? Um, so yeah, only so much real estate. There's only so much real estate. Um, but but it's it's still an advantage for you. Um, you know, the labels get paid a higher price point. Um, you know, it's it has a better shot at getting featured. Um there are things that 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 are gonna benefit you to you know help you get featured or um, you know, things like pre-orders. Um uh, you know, accompanying it with, with uh, you know, a DJ chart, maybe a label playlist, um, and the, and, and the, and the, the, the feedback, right? The, the, I mean, is there a story behind the record, ultimately? Like, you know, the curation team doesn't want to see your, you know, your hype sheet feedback report that's got, you know, you know, downloaded for this person, you know, it's got, you know, 200 DJ feedbacks on there, right? Maybe just highlight the kind of like the best top three selling points of the record, right? It was premiered on BBC Radio One or, um, or you know, BPM Sirius, um, and you know, maybe you know, championed by three, you know, big DJs or artists. Um, just a couple of selling points, really. That's all that's that's all they want to see. Um, so yeah, I mean it's you know it, it's it's really it's it's not rocket science, um, but you know just kind of getting everything over to the label team with enough time that they can that we can then take it to the, the curation team and you know make our case on why we think that this record is more important to feature than the twenty five thousand other records that are coming out on Friday. And just to clarify, uh, you know when you say you know having a release, you know, in the system, you know, three weeks in advance, you know, you're, you know, you're really saying, saying that, you know, it really needs to be at Beatport, you know, already ingested, ready to go three weeks, rather than, you know, delivered to, you know, Symphonic or, you know, another distributor, you know, that far, you know, that far in advance of your release date. Exactly. So probably best to get it to your distributor five weeks in advance. Right. Or, or for, for, it's probably safe to say four weeks in advance, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's probably always possible, you know, things happen and things get rushed and days get changed and, you know, but if we're, if the lines of communication are open and, and we're working and you're working with your distributor on that, um, then everything should be fine. 
you know, Rita, how are, are people, um, you know, how, you know, how are you discovering new tracks? Um, you know, sort of what's in some ways the best way to get um, music to you know, the, the BPM programming team for, for consideration? So, um, and, 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 and I'm sorry, and what do you look for when, when making those decisions? Um, so yeah, so I have, I have a bit of an advantage because I'm also on the air um, as, as, as well as a programmer. So uh, when I'm on the air, people hear my voice and they're like, oh, like when the audience is listening, they think that the hosts are choosing the songs. You know what I mean? But I'm also the programmer, so I'm also choosing the songs. So uh, people are able to like reach me, whether it's, you know, Twitter, Instagram, um, my email is very easily accessible. So I get a lot of music sent to me, like left and right, random from random listeners, aspiring DJs, aspiring producers. And we literally have a folder where we listen to everything that is sent to us. I listen to literally everything. Like once a week, I take out a full day and I listen to everything that I've received from that week. Um, usually I'm looking for something, one that I know could work with our listeners, but also something that's different so it really depends it really depends on like the vibe at the end of the day like i i can tell like what our audience will like and i can tell when i hear something that's very different that i'm like okay let's try this maybe our audience will like this um we've like dibble dabbled a lot we've tried to play with a lot of different um sounds some that haven't worked because we, we have like a research basis so when we do start playing songs we we do research with our audience so uh we've had a lot of times where like songs didn't work that we thought were going to work or songs that have worked uh, that we thought were going to work. Um, so yeah, so a lot of times we'll hear something and be like, oh wow, like, okay, like let's try this and then um, we'll take it from there. But yeah, a lot of times it's stuff that has been sent to us or submitted to us. Um, another way is uh, we'll look on SoundCloud, we'll look on YouTube. Uh, if there's like a pop song, because you know we play a lot of pop remixes as well, if there's a pop song that I really, really like, and I'm like, ooh, I would love to play this on BPM. Maybe there's a remix. I'll, I'll look on SoundCloud. I'll look on on YouTube. And um, and then also, like, obviously, like, the, the way I was discovering music the most was, you know, attending concerts and festivals. And uh, when I hear something played out loud, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this song would sound amazing on the air. So, um, you know, a few different ways that we we definitely look for look for music. Thanks. Vivian, what's, what are you looking for when, when people are, are trying to pitch for a story or, you know, looking for, uh, you know, playlisting or, you know, or things, you know, things of that nature? Well, I think they're, they can kind of be a little bit different. I mean, from like the publication side, I think we're really looking for um, things that have actual authentic stories. So, I mean, once you are an editor or like you've been freelancing for a long time, you can kind of see through the BS of the press sheet. And so you're actually looking for people that um, have a community, have some groundswell of interest, are doing something different, have a unique story. Um, that said, I mean, having a good press sheet is important because a lot of like smaller publications the people who are writing will literally just regurgitate whatever your press sheet says. So like if you have a really good story on there and it's really tight and, you know, like people are going to rewrite what your press sheet said sometimes. I'm talking about more like blogs and like news sites. Um, so make sure it's compelling and it says what you want it to say. 
Um, you know, I think the big challenge is always just like visibility too. There's so many people releasing music in the dance electronic space. So how do you get it to the right person who's gonna care about what you're doing? Um, I think there's a couple different things. One is like John said, like building a community and having a lot of people talking about you and like tweeting back and forth at you, like interacting with your music. Um, I've seen a lot of DJs posting playlists now that's kind of a newer phenomenon in the last year. Um, so kind of trying to give support to the artists whose music they're playing. Um, and I think that's gonna continue with, you know, and get more integrated into live streams and stuff like that. So making sure the DJs, if you're making club music, making sure um, maybe even you send personal emails to the DJs rather than like a form email that you send to everybody, like send them out individually. It takes more time, but my friends have told me that they get a lot better response when they send an individual email to the DJs that they know. But like developing those relationships is very important and placing yourself in a part of a community so journalists can see what what is the article that they're writing about you? Like, where, where do you fit in this thing? And then the second tier of visibility is and relationships would be um, things like having a digital distributor. So if anybody's tuned in that is like newer to this <laughs> game, Hi. You know, <laughs> like it, having a digital distributor can help you get the visibility on like an Apple Music or help talk to Beatport or talk to, um, you know, a Spotify, whoever's running such and such Spotify playlist and help you get those features and maybe has those connections that you may not have, um, especially as an upcoming artist. And we'll also maybe help you if they're nice, figure out your release schedule and figure out when you need to submit these things in order to make those cutoffs. I mean, a lot my friends who work in digital distribution will also tell the, the labels or the artists, hey, this, this music fits on this playlist. It does not fit on that playlist. I cannot pitch you to like Spotify Pollen because that playlist is about that and your music is like this. And like, you know, listen to them. Like, <laughs> I mean, you guys in digital distribution, like you yeah. and you do this all day, every day. And I think that can be important because from the artist side, you don't necessarily know, like, should I put my music for sale in dance? Should I put it for sale in house? Should I put it for sale in here? Um, and all of those things can make an impact on how people find you. So the final thing I will say is like PR. I mean, this is like a very contested area. I don't necessarily think that you need to pay for PR. Um, but however, it can sometimes place you in the line of sight of magazine editors and um, other people that might want to feature your stuff. And what it does is place you in a community of artists as well. So make sure that you're picking a PR person that has other artists that you like are interested in and that person will have the connections to the sites that you want to be on. So like if you make techno, you might want to be on tailored PR from Berlin because they have all the techno artists and they're obviously getting to the people who will feature them. You know, Biz3 at one point was, you know, had Fool's Gold, had Mad Decent, maybe they still do. If you're in that realm, that's putting you on a trusted, this person is trusted to have good stuff 
and a magazine editor who's busy might just take your release because they're like, well, I know I like everything else that Biz3 has sent me. Let me listen to this. Like that, we're all inundated with so much music. Even getting somebody to just listen to what you're doing is like a huge step. Even if they don't cover that release, they're always seeing your name and your name is always in their inbox and like you're surrounded by other artists that they like, then that would be the key maybe to, to some coverage. It's like what John said. I mean, it kind of goes back to knowing your audience, right? I mean, it's, it's you want to pick a PR company that, you know, is probably going to get you, you know, in front of the eyeballs amongst the, the people that you kind of want to associate yourself with anyway right and hopefully a good pr company is going to tell you whether or not the record is something that they can actually you know yeah i mean to touch on it as well it's sort of a willingness to work which you know following on from what we've all kind of said here is um you know if you know again if you're putting your stuff in front of people all the time if you're always linking to you know for ourselves if you're always linking to our store if you're always you know uh, tagging us um, things like that we you know we're going to be like oh wow these these people are really trying to build something and we're going to be like okay well the people start taking notice so you know and, and even from a label manager side of things i've had an artist where i'm wondering how he's getting all these things on you know featured and all these things it's because he's doing his own legwork he's, he's writing to these companies he's sending them mixes he's sending them his tunes he's saying would you like to use this in your you know in, in any sort of editorial thing you know even writing his own press releases in some cases and but it's it's it does wonders. It, it makes a difference because it shows that you're professional. You're willing to work. You're ready to put in the you know, didn't walk the extra mile as it, you know as they say. So, you know, people that do that will find your success sort of comes their way a lot quicker or a lot a lot easier. And, and also, and I think consistency has a lot to be said for it as well. Um, you know, at least for us, because you know there may be a label that puts out ten releases and has not kind of been on the radar of, of the curation team, or maybe it's like a bigger distributor, maybe the distributor is kind of not, you know, you know, hasn't, they're still kind of figuring it out. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, on that like 11th or 12th release, it all kind of comes together and it's like, oh, wow, this label's been doing this. And I, you know, I'm really into that artist and, Oh wow! I gotta go back and now check the catalog. Check check all these private releases and sort of once you get on the curation team's radar, you're kind of always on it, right? So it's just yeah, it's doing it the right way. But yeah. but consistency, like the more frequently, you know, the, the the bigger chance of you getting in front of the people who need, are going to help you get out there um, is, um, you know maybe you're a label that doesn't want to consistently release records and i get that too um but in that case i think you just need to make more noise yeah just yeah, make sure it's exactly. very polished what you're releasing and uh you yeah. know and you go you jump through all the hoops to make sure you everything's covered your artwork's amazing your, your press releases are perfect and people notice and be like wow this is an amazing piece of work let's not ignore this you know yeah, in some ways you've got to sort of own your strategy, right? You know, if you if you're going to release sporadically, you know, then then you know own that and be on top of that, you know, rather than you know putting things out willy nilly. 
and I guess you know, from a distribution perspective, you know, I just wanted to sort of you know wrap this little section up, you know, by saying that you know while great music is you know is important, um, you know, for us as a as a as a distributor, you know you know, we can only do so much, you know, with, you know, and, and it's all about the story that you give us. So if you're not really giving us, you know, much of a story, you know, there's only so much that, that, you know, we can go to, uh, you know, someone like Travis or someone like John um, or, you know, Spotify or Apple Music or Deezer or whomever and, and really make your case. You know, obviously, you know, great music is, you know, comes first and that will, will help shine through. But if there's really not much of a story to, to, to talk about, there's only so much, you know, more that we can do as a, you know, as a distributor, you know, we, you know, we just enhance, you know, help to enhance the story that, that you know, we give you uh, or that, that the, the label gives us or the, the management team or, you know, or the artists. So I just want to wrap that up. Um, I guess one thing we kind of touched on on here um, is, is the idea of managing expectations. Um, you know, you know what is you know what is realistic for uh, you know for a label or an artist to expect um, you know when they're first starting out or you know they're like like you said Travis maybe they're ten releases in you know into their catalog or or what have you um, you know you know should you know, you know can they be you know, be expecting you know big press coverage or you know to be you know in heavy rotation at you know at BPM you know what you know what are what are the best ways for um, for artists and managers and labels to manage expectations. Um, Rita, look like you had. had yeah. a... <laughs> I, I mean, I've definitely seen it a lot where, you know, we'll support an artist and um, that song will do well. And the artists or the team would automatically expect that the next song will go into heavy rotation on BPM because their past one did really well, um, which sometimes isn't the case, you know, and um, with with bpm at, at the end of the day it's the music that matters not the artist so like that's why we're so we're such big advocates of playing like people who you know release their first song ever who or who have never had radio airplay because we're like at the end of the day it's all about the music for us so yeah if one of their songs did really well for us who knows if the next one will we have to listen to it and kind of see like okay can this do well will it do well will it do well only because people are fans of this artist so uh, we've definitely seen that very often and then they'll be like but why but why can't you play this song because the last one did so well we're like this is a completely different song and you have to think about that in those terms um and i do understand where they're coming from but sometimes it's really hard to explain that to people um to say you know like hey sorry like you can't do this every single time like i've had i've had artists who okay yeah they'll, they'll have a bunch of songs and then they'll they'll put out a song while we have one of their songs in rotation and then they'll be like but the other one is doing so well why don't you also play this one and then we have to go into the whole process of explaining how like rotations work you know and like as far as bpm like we have like every week we have 32 new songs in rotation which is a very small amount um that's also playing within you know our golds and our recurrent categories which is like our, our older stuff so um it's really hard to schedule out if like you know, I have a, just an example, if I have a Martin Garrick song playing and then another Martin Garrick song comes out two weeks later, but that first Martin Garrick song is doing incredible. And then the next one, I'm like, okay, we have to give it a second before we play the next one. So we've run into both issues where it's like the expectations of being like, okay, 
we always do well, why don't you play us? And then also like, wait, we have a new song out while this other one's out, why don't you play both of them? And I'm like, ah, so. Uh, do you want it doesn't really work that way. Do you want people to hum this record in your in their sleep or not? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. In their brain. <laughs> And then we'll work the next one, but we need you right, know. like get sick of the first one first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vivian, thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I think similarly, like people just have really inflated expectations. I think you don't really know who's watching what at any time, so you need to keep that in mind. Like from a journalist perspective, it's like there are a lot of people that I'm following and I'm watching what they do and I might not have an opportunity to cover them now, but I'm interested in what they're putting out, who they're talking to, you know, what's on their social media. I think we didn't really talk about that, but um, that is increasingly a big part of your PR, if you will, or your artist story. And I am definitely not encouraging anyone to manufacture a whole story for themselves on Instagram or whatever, because I feel like the things that are authentic and real to you do the best. But, um, you know, increasingly like that Twitter and Instagram and that kind of stuff is part of your story. So I think just know that even if you're not being covered right now, like Travis said, it's like maybe your releases are building on each other and you'll get to that one release that will have traction or that will touch enough different people that it will create its own groundswell but like you want to have everything in order so that people can also find your other music so let's say this song gets big they can find you know your 10 other songs because that's how people consume their favorite artists it's like they they learn of you through this one thing and then they go looking for everything else you did well you want that you want them to be able to find that like if if having your music on a Spotify playlist is important to you, I mean, somebody's personal playlist, then like make sure your track is there for somebody to put on their playlist, for instance, you know, or to share with their friends. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it's like a building block process and all of these different things we're talking about are also part of the blocks and you can see if they really work for you or not, like hiring PR or like, working more closely with your distributor or making your artwork better. I mean, I think the whole aesthetic of your label and your project goes a long way to telling the story of who you are. You know, if you have a compilation, reach out to a bunch of different sites and see if they'll all premiere a different track. Again, that exclusivity, don't offer every journalist the same track for premiere. Like, make sure you're spreading it out and you're offering people different exclusive things. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but there's some other thoughts I have. And John, would you say, you know, in many ways, you know, slow and steady wins the race, you know, I mean, obviously we work in a, you know, in a, in a, a, a genre that, you know, just has so much churn. It's, you know, and it's like, you know, one really, you know, artists are releasing, you know, you know, a release yeah. every other week or what have you. Uh, for, I mean, for electronic music, what do you think the right balance is? Uh, electronic dance music, I think, it, yeah, if you're a brand new producer, it could be really difficult to, to, to sort of make a splash. Um, I'd say getting a good label behind you is it, it, imperative, really. It's, um, it's one of the most important things, I suppose, because, you know, you, you want people that have got the same mindset as you, that have got the same goals as you, 
um, that are going to, you know, that, that believe in your music and are going to push it for you as hard as they can. Um, I mean, I think that's, you know, for someone just a new producer, like where do, where do I go from here? I'd say, you know, really research your, what label you want. You want to put your music out on, reach out to them. Again, you know, community is such an important thing there. If you reach out to, you know, similar DJs and artists that are on that label, build up a, a friendship with them, you know, um, and from that you can you can go on to do great things but it, yeah it can be difficult and you know you could put you could be putting out music and putting it it's in, trying to put it in everyone's faces and it's just not getting everywhere but I'd just say yeah it, it is slow and steady in that way just you know, i also uh, just perfect your craft you know go on sorry. wanted to add and i think we could probably all agree on this is like don't annoy people because sure. we're talking a lot about relationships and community and you're gonna see the same faces recurring because people work in the music industry for a long time. So you wanna be a person that people look forward to talking to. Like, don't make yourself a person that people are like, oh God, this person's manager is hitting me up again about this track. Like, listen to people when they tell you the reason why that track is not getting playlisted or, you know, even ask them if you're not sure, but don't be, like surly about it and don't be annoying because you like this is a relationships business you want people to think of you positively as an artist or as a label manager or as an artist manager and that is only going to help you um you know push forth in your career or whatever you're doing so I think it needs to be said because we all have these people where we're like oh I'm dodging this person's like call or email because I can't deal with them anymore and you don't want to be that person <laughs> yeah you want you want someone who you want to work with otherwise you just you, you know even if you like the music you might be like you know well, i just don't want to deal with this so so yeah you know you, you want to be that approachable person who's like yeah not not overly <laughs> not, not overly bothersome but you know just easy going and yeah i've got this for you again what do you think oh yeah okay what a guy let's do something you know <laughs> Travis, managing expectations. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, from the label side, um, you know, understand that, like, you know, we might not be able to feature every single release that you do, right? And And if we have featured your last five, and your sixth release doesn't get featured on the homepage or in the genre pages for whatever reason, you know, know that life is going to go on. <laughs> and, you know, we can try again next time. You know, I mean, the truth is there is just a ton of music coming out every week and, and great music, you know, and if we had more space to feature it, we would. But, you know, we also have to spread the love around right and i mean Tra travis would you say that you know in, in that way um it, it behooves you know a, a label or a self releasing imprint to kind of you know prioritize their releases uh, obviously you know if they're putting it out they love it it it's you know um you know they stand behind it but again it's about having expectations that that you know, uh, this is the most important release that i'm putting out this quarter you know, um, so that's the one that that I really want, you know, that I really want the, you know, homepage feature or the genre page feature or I, you know, I'm putting together all these assets that I want all these things. Yeah, I mean, and again, though, <clears throat> just because you want it doesn't mean you're going to get it, 
right? And sure. You know, sometimes, you know, labels and artists get really complacent because they know that, like, you know, they've been on a roll and a lot of their stuff is getting featured time and time again. But that, you know, and they sometimes they get really upset if, you know, one that, that one release doesn't because they're like, oh, this was my biggest record of the year. But every record is your biggest record of the year. You've said that literally for eight years. <laughs> and they're all yeah. great. And, and, it's, and you should take your music very seriously. But you also got to understand it's not our job to sell your record. It's your job to sell your record. And you need to have a story and get that hype going. You know, we're just a platform that can make it visible. I mean, I've seen records that we've given banners to in multiple genre, you know, pages that don't move the needle at all. So, you know, it's just because you get a feature on Beatport does not mean that you're going to sell records, right? If you get a a banner on Beatport, it's going to look better for you and it's going to look better for your artist manager. And at a time when the clubs were open, it would ultimately probably help you get more in booking fees when your record is in the top 10. But again, that can't be our concern, right? You need to have a strong, a strong record. A good record is a good record, right? And, and if it's, and if it is good and it's got a buzz and you're getting into the right hands, you know, um, the other thing that's important is kind of derives a little bit from the main question, but you know, if, if your record is really important to you and you've got reach to friends who are artists and whatnot, um, you know, have them included in the charts, in their DJ charts, because you know, the DJ charts make up a pretty high percentage of, of the annual revenue. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'm curious for, for you, John, but you know, on Beatport, it's like 10% of the annual revenue is made up by the charts. What, and I'm talking DJ charts, right? So if you see your favorite, you know, if six of your favorite DJs are charting that one record, it's probably a pretty hot record. And so you're, you know, you have a good chance of moving the needle on that record. But, but, but back to the expectation thing, I'll, I'll just say, because I don't know if I move on from this question is, um, you know, leave it to the hands of the creation team, right? Uh, if you have a record that's coming out and you, in your heart of hearts, believe that this is a house tune through and through, but it's not, and, it's in, and, it, in, and the creation feels that it's gonna be better represented in a different genre, perhaps it's dance or maybe it's, you know, a tech house record that they think is going to be better in raw techno. Let them do their thing with it because they're going to know where that record is is going to be placed the best and get the most attention. And and, and you know, and, and life will go on if that record is not in the genre that you may feel strong so strongly about having it in. Right? There, it's it's going to all be done for the the the, the greater good of the song. And I also just say one quick thing is like, we're talking a lot about being single-minded and that's something I see a lot of artists, managers and artists get into where all of a sudden, you know, 2019, if you weren't on a Spotify top playlist, like if you weren't on Rap Caviar, whatever you wanted to be on, then, you know, your life was over. And it's like, be willing to shift your goals around. Your track could you could take it to licensing and then it could appear in a TV show and then it could blow up a year later and you'll get all those streams and you'll get on that playlist eventually. 
like be willing to see the wide world of where your music could go. Like maybe it's not on, you know, the Beatport carousel, but then you send it out to all these DJs and it gets a little groundswell there. And then all of a sudden everybody's playing it. And then it ends up being on the top 10, you know, six months later. It's like, I think people get really narrow-minded about time and their platform that they think is important, but great songs. I mean, if you look, look at the Afro B song, Joanna, he has like basically milked that song for like, I don't know, two and a half, three years and keeps doing stuff with it all over the world. And that's a big more pop example, but you know, this was like an Afrobeat song that had a very niche audience and then he just took it all around. So be willing to think about these other opportunities that your music could have. Like maybe it doesn't work for here, but maybe it works great for TV, video games, um, you know, like like all the Twitch DJs like it. I don't know. There's, there's bigger, what are your goals? Like your goals can't only be to make this a famous song. Like you want it to have some life somewhere in this ecosystem, which is very wide. I also did want to just before, before we end off this, this topic, I did want to say just one thing. Um, if, if a hit is, if a song is meant to be a hit, it will be a hit. Um, there's no like, formula if okay yeah like I made this playlist um I made it on this chart I made it on this radio station even if a song will make it on all those things who knows if it'll resonate with with an audience who knows if people will like it so like you know you can't force it you literally can't force it there is no if there was a formula every artist would be the biggest artist in the world but obviously that's not the case um and I think that's important to remember and I think a lot of artists um, when they have a song, they think that this song is the best song ever. It, that's just how it's always going to be. The artist will play, hear the song and they'll be like, this is, this is my best song. It's going to be a hit. And like, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but it's sometimes it's, it's not a hit. And if it's meant to be a hit, it will be a hit. It'll find its way no matter what. And I've seen this happen many, many times. And sometimes it takes a lot of time to get and there. Some, exactly. And sometimes, it, you know, a great example is Loud Luxury Body. It came out and then a year later, you heard it everywhere. You know, it takes some time. You can't just give up, you know. Well, we are rolling up on time. And I know <laughs> I know when we, we met before the panel, you know, we, we said we could sit here and talk for about three hours and maybe someday we'll, you know, we'll get a chance to do that. Yeah, um, but we only have a have an hour today. So it's just sort of in closing, um, very quickly, we just want to go around the panel and find out what words of advice and encouragement you guys would give artists or label runners, um, you know, at, at sort of at this stage in time. You know, do it because you love it, you know, um, and take your time with it. There's no need to rush you know um and just yeah just just i think try to be as you know authentic as you can and um just just keep putting music out just keep putting putting great music out and it will get heard yeah i'll uh, second that from travis um do it for the love we're all in this in this business not for the not for the money i don't get paid great i don't know if anyone else does <laughs> but uh, but yeah do it for the love we 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 we, we work with music because we love it and we, it, you know it's passionate and exciting and creative and like let that be your driving force you know i think uh authenticity is definitely really important and um you know 
I know that there's going to be a lot of setbacks. I've seen artists at their absolute worst um, struggling to move forward. And, you know, if it's truly what you love to do, just keep doing it. You know, your passion will shine through. Um, anytime something bad happens or negative happens or something doesn't go your way, just, you know, show that love for it, take that love and passion for it and, and move forward and find a way to not make those same mistakes that you have before and learn from, you know, what didn't work out in the past. If you truly, truly have a love for it, um, you know, you'll find a way to make it big. You'll find a way to engage with your audience. You'll find a way to, to get out there. And anytime you feel like, okay, this isn't doing something, it is. It's a step in the right direction. It's it's teaching you, it's showing you what's right and what's wrong. And and it's gonna turn you into the artist that, that you know, you are, you're meant to be. Um, my feeling is don't worry so much about um, getting a manager before you're ready to have one. I mean, you should get a manager when you are so busy that you can't possibly handle all the requests coming in and all the stuff going on by yourself. Um, learn about the business, which is boring, but will help you ultimately. Even if you have a manager, you still have to manage them and you still have to determine where you want your career to go and what your music is saying. Um, like everyone else said, don't get discouraged. I mean, concentrate on making your music and your product like and your everything like the best that it can be and true to yourself. Um, and I would say be thankful for the coverage that you do get because it's so hard for anybody to be listened to in this, you know, there's millions of releases, there's millions of things going on. If you are being covered, on any one of these sites that we were talking about, or you are getting retweets from your favorite DJs, or you are getting played by DJs that you love, like know that that's a big, that's a big deal. It might seem small, you might have big goals, but like you be appreciative of that because that's even hard to get to that point. So. That'd be humble. Cool, well, you know, thank you to all of our panelists today and thank you all for, uh, for watching. Um, onwards and upwards. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Thanks very much.